What up, what up, what up? Everybody, it's your girl, Marquita, and you know what they like to call me, Miss Hollywood. You're tuned into another episode of So Hollywood, the podcast. Is it me or was it hot in here? Is it me or was it hot in here? So Everybody, it's your girl Marquita, and you know what they like to call me, Miss Hollywood. <laughs> You're tuned into another episode of So Hollywood the Podcast. Yes, as you know, and if you do not know, this podcast is a platform where everyone is treated equally, and I bring people together with this thing called entertainment. As you know, and like I said before, if you don't know, um, I have a recap of pretty much every episode that I've done. So uh, episode 51 I did with King June ATL, a.k.a. June Garcia. He is from Atlanta by way of Virginia. Uh, he is he is a director, um, an actor, a writer, graphic designer, a mogul. Also, he is starring and he directed his own film called Quad City Movie. You can follow him at King June. ATL. Uh, catch the latest episode on your favorite podcast platforms as well as this Instagram page here. Also, want to be a guest? Contact me www.allofhollywood.biz. Uh, 45 after, I like to do this thing called uh, Top Five, Five Questions, Five Answers, all in which are catered to my guests in which I do have a guest today. I'm going to pull him up here shortly. Uh, 50 after, I like to do this thing called... Exclusive access. Yes, exclusive access is anything that you have not told anyone in the entertainment industry or, any, you know, exclusively wise. Exclusive access. Uh, 55 after, I like to do this thing where you wind down, give them your shout-outs, last words, where they can find you, social media. I have a question of the day in which I like to ask my guest... Um, at the beginning of the show and then at the end of the show I have them answer it the question is what bothers you about the industry why and what is your solution to fixing it um so it's about that time to bring the guest up here uh yes he's dope he's really really dope we're gonna wait on him to come up here give me just a second hello hey what's going on <laughs> Hi, I'm good. Um, I have to give you your flowers and give you a proper introduction. Uh, I have Dave Anderson, a.k.a. what I know him as to be, T. 
Taz Daddy, aka the business bully. Uh, you're a multi uh, multi time best selling author, a business coach, a motivational speaker, the owner of the business bully. Uh, you're, it's just so, it's just the list goes on and on in which we'll talk about that. You're currently located in Philadelphia. Am I correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. And you're originally from where? Philadelphia. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I thought you were literally from Tennessee, but we're going to get into that. (laughs) We're going to go back into those days. Oh, how I love thee. (laughs) So, um, well, I like to start all of my interviews with this one question, uh, which is how did this thing called entertainment enter your life? Like what is your earliest mem- memory? Wow. Um, professionally speaking. Um, it doesn't have to be professionally like, we're, cause we're going to build up to that. I guess your earliest, like the younger days, like I, for me, it's like when my mom, she, when she's cleaned up, she used to listen to Barry White and like Johnny Taylor. Like those are my fondest memories of being introduced into the entertainment industry, as well as my brother being a DJ and, you know, the list goes on. But so where where was it for you that it started? Well, I didn't know there was a thing called the industry as much um, until I was a little bit older. Um, but my very first memories um, were just my parents, like listening to their 45s. Like I would pull because like they like we don't have what people call uh, nigga ears. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, I, I, I would listen. You know, my, my dad had uh, Neil Diamond, mm. you know, like to this day, I'm a huge, Neil, like nobody knows this. I'm a huge Neil Diamond. Uh-huh. I, and it has one of the illest um, industry stories ever. It was like, you're too short. Your nose is too big. You're a Jew. You can't do anything. So why don't you just write these records for the monkeys? What? It was only true in fairy tales. <laughs> Good enough for some, but not for me. So... And I saw her face. Oh, my God. Damn. Like, I knew as a kid. Like, I know, like, I don't know how I knew. Right. But I looked it. I was like, yo, this is hard. You know? And then um, Gladys Knight in the Pit, I thought it was dope because, like, there was a woman and then three dudes and they just shoot do 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 You know what I'm saying? Right. And it was in the platters where the woman in the platters was just, like, an accent. She was up front and she was running it. It was Gladys Knight. And the pips. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I used to get teased because I, I had these glasses. Mm-hmm. And then my mom pulled out all her Elton John 45s, mm. you know. And she was like, yeah, his glasses cost $1,000. I was like, who in the world? $1,000. You know, that just cost so much. But she said, you're going to see things that people will never see. You know? And right. those people who reason you are going to regret the day that they didn't know till everybody they knew you went. And that, whether that's true or not, right. it carried me. So when it came to that, like, I just, I fell in love with music first. Mm-hmm. Then I fell in love with radio because, like, I had all the questions. Mm-hmm. Same, you same. Know? I had all the questions, but why? Very inquisitive. Like, what? how did that, why how did you make that? Well, when did that, where did that come from? How did you put those two or two, like, very, very, yep, that, those type so of things. 
that that was that was the thing for me. And then I found out my uncle Roscoe was you know was a voice coach, and his number one client was a woman named Phyllis Hyman. And so, like, I didn't know you know that Miss Hyman was was famous. And then like they told me, I was like, you mean the and it was she and then so she, around what age was that at that point? I was. Seven, maybe eight. So this is before oh. I started radio. Started radio at nine. Okay. But I was, you know, normally eight. And she would always say these things just around me and my cousins. And in, in the rare times we would see her, right? Um, you know, she would say, you know, make sure you own your life. Make sure you understand, you know, um, what things look like. Make sure that you understand what what you know what, um, you know what are in you know things you sign. It's very important. Be careful what you say, but be more careful what you write. Mm. You know. And I like you don't know what you're taking in as a child Facts. until you become an adult. Facts. You know what I mean? Yes. And then you know, to know that she battled with, you know, anxiety and depression and, and so do I. Like, it was like, yo, certain things don't surprise me. But now, you know, we're starting to normalize that. So yeah, I, I fell in love and fell hard very, very early. Mm. And then when I at radio. <laughs> 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 you said at nine years old, that's when you begin your radio career? At nine, WSCN, University of Pennsylvania, they had a show called Kids Corner, and I became the, uh, I became a, an associate producer and co-host at nine. What? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So you already, like, were put into the game early. Yeah. Or did, is it something that you wanted to do, or was it something that you, that you had to do? Because it's a difference. What I wanted to be was an attorney. Okay. The reason my father was in law enforcement for as long as, as before I was alive. My dad, um, you know, used to do a lot of security details as a cop. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, he would work. He, he protected Martin Luther King, not in Memphis. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, James Brown, people like that. And, you know, so my dad was gone a lot. Mm-hmm. And my parents divorced at three. So my three-year-old logic was, if I become like attorney general, I could put away all the bad guys, and then my dad and my mom could find their way back to mm, each other. Right, dumb life. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to know everything. So I would like read every book. I would get every law thing I could find. You know, I had I had Harvard sweatshirts at six. So the dream was I was going to go to Harvard Law. You know, right. I was going Johnny Cochran. Like that was the, that was the path. And then um, I got really frustrated at school. I was nine years old, about to be 10. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these kids dumb. <laughs> or these white teachers ain't listening to me. So, yeah, I'm not going to do this homework because they're asking me to give them answer keys anyway. Right. So you checked out. Like, you initially done. just checked out and was like, I'm not You know, young straight boy in the 80s talking about, yeah, I'm not doing that. So my mother's a teacher, by the way. <gasps> that didn't go well. And, and, and for the record, in case you were wondering, yes, my mother is a black woman. So y'all know when the swelling in my ass went down, um, everything came out of the room. You know, so it was just me and books. And my older brother, Aaron, he took pity on me. And he went and, uh, you know, he my brother always had money, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he... He went and got a radio and a phone. So when my mom was out, I could plug in the phone and call my friends and I could listen to the radio. 
And because I read so much in those days, the radio, like the TV signals, the audio, the audio signals from the TV uh-huh. were run radio. So you could turn it down all the way to the left. And I, it was Tuesday. She took the clock off the wall. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so it's Tuesday. I know the boss of Tony Danza is coming on. So I turn my thing to the dial and I, I, I stumble on this show. And it's all about kids, but they had Curly Neal on. And I knew who Curly Neal was because of Scooby-Doo and the fact that my dad took me and my brother to a Globetrotters game. Okay, okay. So he did this trick, right? And I, I called in. I was like, yo, Curly Neal, I want to know how you did this trick. You did the thing, and then and the ball wound up in the dude's shorts. He says, I haven't done that trick in, like, six years. How old are you? I said, nine. They were like, he was like, oh, my God. what? You some sort of little kid or something. <laughs> you know? He said, he said to them, he's like, yo, you need to hire this kid. He's incredible. Immediately. <laughs> he's a better interview than you are. Oh. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. So two days passed. Mm-hmm. My mother comes home. You know, the, everything's hidden. Um, she gets a call. Hello? Yeah, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm David Anderson's mother. <laughs> he, he did what? And you want him to do what? And you're going to pay him what? What? Yeah, um... Can I get your number? I'll call you back. So my ass got whooped. Well, again. <laughs> that's, that's the last time I, I started thinking about lawyering. And my mom thought it was a hobby, but in her head, oh, I was going to be a lawyer. So I was like, no, this is the dream now. I'm going to do this. And then I went down to the library, mm-hmm. saw that Tom Joyner was doing GCI and um, K-104 in Dallas. And I was like, yeah, look how much Tom Joyner got paid. My mom said, go, baby, go. And that was it. <gasps> So she just she just checked out of that other stuff and she was like, "Hey, let's let's do this." And you yep. you literally never looked back since. If you feel like you got it and it's obvious to everybody around you that you got it, like you don't you you shouldn't diminish that light in your children. Right, exactly. So that was around still around 9, 10, 11 maybe. Seven. It was October 1987. Still. Oh, so wow. a, a month before my 10th birthday. And then once you figured out that this is what you wanted to do, what what happened thereafter? Was it, was it more radio opportunities or was it more like what transpired after that show? Uh-huh. Believe it or not. So I'm doing the show, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, hey, Dave, um, they're, they're bringing in some camera crew from CBS. They're going to, you know, and we've had like local TV shows and because it was public radio, you know, like um, TBS would come by. So it wasn't anything mm-hmm. for somebody to in a cute little black kid's face. So I'm like, okay, cool, cute little black kid. I'll give you that. I'll say that, whatever. Um, I'm like 14, 15. So I, this is old hat at this point. I'm like, all right, all right whatever. So um, I'm minding my business. And I, I do the interview. We're going about, you know, we're going about it. And about a week later, I get a call, like 7 o'clock at night. Guy says, um, yeah, I'm looking for uh, Dave Anderson. I'm like, Dave Anderson. <laughs> this is he. Yeah, my name is Vince. Um, I have this show. It's on uh, CBS um, across the nation. Uh, we want to have you. I was like, I thought it was my homeboy. I, I was like, I stop playing that voice guitar. Click. <laughs> you. I said, Hey, don't hang up. This is real. <laughs> and he was like, We want to come in for a screen test. I came in for a screen test. Then it was learning how to read a teleprompter, and mm. I was on Andy Kids Club. It came on before Doctor Fad on CBS Saturday morning. So I went from doing radio to doing radio and national television. You what? know, so I'm at this point. All right. So I'm a freshman 
in the worst high school in America. So it's literally <laughs> like that Wesley Snipes, Michael Jackson scene in bed. Oh, you think you're something. Right. You know, the little, right. So the, it's a tortoise shell. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm literally like, I'm like, oh my God. Right. So the thing of it is, I'm like, okay, ain't nobody watching this. this right. is point. I'm 15 years old. You know, so there's a couple people watching it and they know, but anytime a teacher would say something like, Hey, did you guys know this on the front page of the Philadelphia Star? <gasps> Please, God, just, I just, because these niggas don't know how to handle this. <laughs> so, you know, that type of stuff. And so, um, when the sh- I was actually, I was a senior in high school mm-hmm. uh, when that show got canceled. And I was so happy. <laughs> why? Why were you, why were you happy? Because I went to Martin Luther King High School and like it was metal detectors. Uh, <laughs> so, I just wanted to go. I didn't want to fight every day, you know. Um, every night and, I gotta uh, prove my love. <laughs> hey, look what I gotta go out here and do. So, I, you know, I was like, okay, cool. So I'll just do this. Um, and then once I graduated high school, I left the show because I was going to Temple University, okay. and so I was chilling. Uh, I majored in broadcasting, and for me, it was like, you know, they graded on a curve, but I've been doing this since I was knee-high to a right, tree stump. Right, So I'm like, you, you know, you're grading down from a 96, so now these guys are mad at me. So I go from <laughs> mad at me to regular niggas being mad at me. So they go and they say, you got to get Anderson out here. Like, <gasps> so what they did was they allowed me to... Uh, teach intro to radio, and then I could get several internships. So I tested out of all of my broadcasting courses. Wow. And it was at that point that I was stuck because I had um, more internship classes than I had internships. So I had a homegirl, a girl I knew uh, freshman year. (laughs) Uh, I had a girl I knew freshman year. (laughs) (laughs) Good friends, I can say her name or whatever, but she worked at that particular station, right? Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, listen, I need, you know, I need I need an internship. So she hooks me up with this morning show producer. The guy was like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, we'll get you started. So it's time for them to sign the thing. So I, I'm trying to find a dude. I can't get him on the phone. I go up to the station. Oh, he left. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. I said, oh, okay. He don't know who he messing with. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I called the I didn't call the program director. I called the GM. I said, listen, my name's Dave Anderson. This dude promised me an internship. He didn't give me an internship. Now I'm stuck. Now I'm going to have these credits that I'm going to have to drop, and I'm paying for the school myself. He said, don't even worry about it. He said, give me 24 hours. And he got me an internship in the promotions department. Now, if you know me, you know I am not the T-shirt stacking dude. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to get on that morning show. I don't know how. I don't know why. But I'm going to get on that morning show. <laughs> <laughs> Down in spoken Tony Richards. So I see Tony Richards going into the production room. Now the production room is right by the um you don't ask me that's the follow up question yet. <laughs> <laughs> the production room is right by, by the um right by the promotion department. So I uh-huh. stack my T shirts and I wave on I say, Smoke, listen. Um, you know, my name is Dave because um, I didn't have I didn't have the Taz nickname yet. That came later. Oh, he said, I said, my name is Dave. I said, if you need anything at all, I got you. No matter what it is. If you need some help, I just want to help out. I just want to be a help. He was like, all right, cool. He was like, have you talked to my producer? I'm like, mm. 
He was like, all right, it's cool. So, <laughs> you know, it's his show. He got his names on the show. So he's like, yeah, you know, so the producer has to come around and promote. He's like, yeah, so Tony says you're going to hop off with the morning show. So now I need you here at 5 o'clock. So I came in at 4, uh, 4.30 a.m. with donuts and coffee. Already? You was waiting on him. So he would give me all these do oh, go look this up, print these out, collate them, staple them, this, that, and the third. So I would do it, knock it out in 15 minutes, have my black ass right back in that studio. You will not get rid of me. Right. Right? Six months, he was gone. Right? Now, in that process, if I'm being fair and accurate, mm -hmm. there was a comedian on that show named Dealey, and I stuck to Dealey, one, because he was the youngest guy on the show, two, he was a comedian, three, at this point, I'm telling jokes in school, and everybody's like, yo, they got a talent show. I think you should rock that, uh -oh. this, that, and the third. So it's me, only other comedian, um, you know, at Temple at that time was a guy named Naeem Lynn. Naeem Lynn is now one of the Plastic Cup boys, <gasps> right? So um, there would be these competitions, and now all these ne'er-do-wells want to start telling jokes, right? So then it was like first prize was um, – you know, a gig at the Laugh House, the world-famous Laugh House in, in Philadelphia on South Street. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, while all this was going on, D. Lee buys the Laugh House. How, um... So this dude up under this whole time, he buys the Laugh House, right? So me and I win the contest because it was a tie. It was a split, mm -hmm. right? So at that point, I'm with D. every day. So I'm, I'm telling him, Joseph's like, okay, we need to fix this, this, that, and the third. And after a while, I would just, it was every day, like, and we did it all. Like, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, so you won that contest. You funny? Cool. <laughs> we're going to take these tickets and we're going to give out all these tickets, right? Right. And we give them away. And then he showed me the business and he was like, look, this is misdirection. What happens on this stage don't mean nothing. It's the food and the liquor. It is the food and the liquor. If we, if we make them laugh enough, and to get enough drinks in them, we're going to make a whole lot of money. And that was the gag. And that was he was the first person to show me mm. uh, a checkbook. And I don't mean like what your mama has. I mean a book with three-ring binder and checks and checks and checks and checks, you know. Right. And it was like it was freeing because I had somebody that even if I fucked up, it was like, yeah, you fucked up. Here's how you got booed tonight. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it would, it would be like, oh, Thea, the dial's coming in. She's like, here's why your jokes aren't tight. You know, like, it, was, it, was, it was literally like going to comedy boot camp, comedy college, the whole nine. Right. And any comedian will tell you, Philadelphia's the hardest comedy market. So if you can make it here, you know, like <laughs> you New York. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the thing, man. And I just never looked back. And it was just opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And, you know, so, you know, here we are. Here we okay, are. That was a mouthful. <laughs> so you you were literally everything. You went from being a part of the promotions to being a radio, a radio personality to being a comedian. Mm -hmm. And then you went mm -hmm. where after that? Did, when, when did you become... The Taz Daddy that I know that put me on the game and put me on. I, I think it was my. I want to say my first website at first, like it was Taz Angels, yeah. but yeah. So when did that? Yeah. When did that all transpire? Well, <laughs> again, <laughs> um, that's a loaded story. So here's what happened. So I'm at Radio One, right? So mm -hmm. we're doing this morning show. 
They decide that they want to streamline some things because they want to expand. So they decided to syndicate Rush Parr into all these markets. Mm-hmm. So we got out of a job. We heard this. We heard the writing on the wall. We're on the stage at the Jetty Jones show, and everybody's. Uh, we didn't have two ways at the time, but we had these pagers that you could call the operator, and the operator would type the message. To right. You. Okay, I remember those. So, <laughs> I remember those. So, right. I was like, all right, bet. Um, so he was like, all right, don't worry about nothing. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to go across the street. I was like, for real? <laughs> we're going across the street? Like, across the street. I said, all right, bet. So we went nothing because we already knew what time it was. We got the situation. We got the deal the whole nine. Right? Right. So that morning, they would not let us do a goodbye show. I, I did the morning show with, with D and the rest of the folks. Um, I had to take a final. I think it was a, a final for my radio production class. So I, I took <laughs> that morning at Radio One. Took mm-hmm. the final. I, I get the message, yo, meet me at the gallery. So me and D Lee are probably the only people in Philadelphia history that have done a morning show on one station mm-hmm. on the on the day and in the afternoon did the afternoon show at the competing station the same day. Wow. Right? So that in and of itself. Um, was a wild experience, right? And then, mm-hmm. like, my, my time at Power 99 was crazy because then um, they had a juggernaut morning show called Carter and Sanborn, and then all of a sudden they bring in uh, Carter and Sanborn and Wendy Williams, who had just left uh, just left New York to come to Philadelphia, right? Oh, wow. So then um, they let Carter and Sanborn go, and oh, then it becomes the D and Wendy show, right? So I'm D's man. Wherever he goes, I'm, I'm you know, I'm helping. I'm producing the whole nine, this, that, and the third, um, my girl Sarah did all the heavy lifting. I'm still 21, 22, but I'm hungry. Like, right. you know, now I'm at the big dog. I'm at the station I grew up with. This, now we rock. <laughs> right? So I want it all. But what I realized is when you go from the kiddie pool to the Olympic tank, mm. it's a whole bunch of Michael Phelpses and ain't nobody giving up their lane. But I'm still hungry and I don't care. Right. So, um, I got what I call lovingly fired. Lovingly. And by that, I mean this. Wendy was like, look, you're hungry. You're going to do whatever you want to do. Can't nobody stop you, but it ain't going to work. I'm telling you, I've seen this before. It ain't going to work. Um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't malicious. It was real. She was like, it ain't going to work. She was like, I went down to the U.S. Virgin Islands, made $25 a week. You're going to be fine. And the next time I'll see you, you'll be successful. So, I'm leaving the radio station. Tears, like I didn't cry in the building, but as soon as I leave the building, <laughs> like, because I'm like, you know, like, damn, I, like, I hungered myself into a corner. Right. Right. And then the other part of that, there was a guy named Quincy Harris, who, you know, I grew up with a wonderful dude, right? They didn't need another Quincy Harris. Mm-hmm. So somebody was going to have to go when he was there first. Right. Right. You know, fairness to him. Right. And Quincy is dope um and so i was like okay cool so i go home i cry my eyes out my mom was like look what would you do if you could do anything i was like yo i want to do my own show she was like okay do you think you'll be able to do your own show here i said no it's like then maybe it's time to go Mm. i don't want to go (laughs) but maybe it's time to go i said okay cool so i called russ parr okay sent russ parr my tape russ was like Give me 20 minutes. 15 minutes later, I got a call from uh, Foxy 99 in Fayetteville, North Carolina. 
came down there, murdered afternoons, mm-hmm. um, came back home because <laughs> me and the PD didn't get along. So I got fired because oh, I'm hungry. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. You know, and, and with that, you know, you got to remember you're dealing with somebody who's 20 years younger than the guy who's talking to you now. Correct. So I didn't give not near fuck. No I didn't care who's feeling. I didn't know nothing. Y'all think I'm bad now? Y'all should have seen me in the year 2000. I was dead shit. <laughs> right? I know people don't like me from those days. Yeah, no, I, I was going <laughs> Full-time asshole. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, I come back and the person that, that, that D. Lee was with at the time mm-hmm. worked for a company called Promo Works. Promo Works was promoting one product. Their job was to promote one product. This mm-hmm. German product nobody had ever heard of. People didn't want it. It sounded weird. It looked weird. And it was called Red Bull. Red Bull? Red Bull. Right. And the reason that they came to America was because Coke had copied Red Bull and had a had a thing called one eight. You've never had one. You've never seen it. it no. no. And you're welcome. To it. <laughs> so what happened, I want to put my little big ass in this truck with all these bad bitches <laughs> to give out Red Bull to like, you know, regular regular workers. And I'm like, oh, we're not doing that. <laughs> so I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the shit that I want to do. Fact. So we're going to take a break, right? And I'm going to go back to the radio station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. the radio station and I, 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 get, I give it to the DJs. Like, I think I gave it to like Mikey Dredd and Pooch, man, who were doing um, nights. So I give it to the DJs. And then because the uniforms looked a lot like we, we worked, um, you know, for the Sixers, we would crash the game. I gave Red Bull to Iverson. We went um, on City Line Avenue and gave Red Bull to, to all, the, uh, all the working newscasters. And the whole time I got a camera and I got him taped in the whole nine. Then we went to the strip club. What? Gave me strippers. I jumped behind the bar. So if you've ever had a Red Bull in socket, you're welcome. <laughs> so at that point, Red Bull absorbs promo work. I get a call to go back to North Carolina, but this time I'm on the coast, mm-hmm. right? And I'm getting to your question. Mm-hmm. So I'm, um, I'm killing it. I'm number one at night. I'm that guy, right? And so I get a call. From this guy says, "Hey Dave, my name's Daryl. Uh, my name's Daryl Johnson. I want you to come to Nashville, Tennessee." I said, "And do what? Nice for what?" <laughs> he was like, "Hip hop." I said, "In Nashville, Tennessee?" <laughs> I was like, "Bro, you bug it!" Click. He calls back and says, "Don't hang up on me. Just come for the weekend." If you like it, we can do a deal. If you don't, you had a weekend on me and some of the best barbecue you've ever had. Mm, so they went to Nashville. And what he did was, he kept me away from all the country shit, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. He, took, he took me to Mama Lil's. He took me to Sweat. You know, he took me over to, 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 to Fisk. He took me to Tennessee State. And we walked around that campus and I was like, um, oh baby, what's your name? <laughs> Every. Everywhere you went, yes. if you saw an ugly woman, it was a rarity. <laughs> everybody was nice. Everybody was smiling. Everybody yep. was corn fed. Yep. Everybody was sugar, honey, baby, boo. What's your name? What you doing? Da, da, da. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Give me a hug. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so literally, I was like, <laughs> so at the airport, <laughs> no, I called God. it. 
I called the GM. I was like, yo, it's Tad. <laughs> um, can you beat this price? <laughs> Who offered me that? Nashville. To do hip hop. Nice. <laughs> okay, then we're done here. I quit. <gasps> and I, <laughs> I went home. I had a home um, not too far from the beach. I, I packed up my stuff in the U-Haul, mm-hmm. and I drove from I drove from Eastern North Carolina to Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, my and goodness. um, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. So here's the gag, right? I was dating a girl named Shelby. Okay, and. When I was in North Carolina, I would throw these parties. Now, keep in mind, in the South, the South, and, I, and in, this, in this period of time, this is true, not so much now because there wasn't as much internet, social media stuff. Right. Um, the South was usually five to ten years behind what the East Coast was doing. Correct. That's correct. Right. So I'm coming down here doing celebrity birthday parties, denim and diamonds, white parties, black parties. I'm killing it. You know what I'm saying? The palladium. The, <laughs> the palladium, the castle. Yo. I was murdering stuff. So Shelby was like, you know what, Taz? I like you a lot. I said, well, I like you too, Shelby. Like, I mean, you know, Shelby was fine. Mm-hmm. And Shelby was like, here's the problem, though. I'm not dating you. Mm. Like, you, you're not you're not Taz. <laughs> you're Puff Daddy. You're Taz Daddy. I said, you're right. So I dumped Shelby, but I picked the name up. I was Taz Daddy from that point on. Oh, my God. Somewhere living with regret. (laughs) So when when did the Taz Angel... So you began to go by that name for your radio personality, Dad? I can't even get my words out. So how did that transition make? What was your radio personality name prior to Taz Daddy? It was just Taz. Okay. And when I started doing parties, it was DJ Taz. And then, of course, all of a sudden, that's right. Because for a long time, people thought that was Meg. Here's all I do. (laughs) Not my record. I wish it was. Yeah, that was not. My that record. was my shit, though. Oh my god! Hey, I love that song. What I go do? Diane is my lord. <laughs> I'm gonna play you know, that. So I'm gonna play I, that as um, soon as I, I get I, off I here. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. So what happened? Was, I'm in that guy named Chris Taylor who died like last year. Um, he was like, "Well, listen, if you can go by Taz, that you need something sexy, mm. right?" So, a uh, girl who uh, went by MJ. She came in and I was like, yo, Meryl, just say Taz Daddy as sexy as you possibly can. And she said, Taz Daddy. And that's where that came, that drop oh! came. So all that stuff happened in Nashville. What? And like, it, to this day, and I tell this to people all the time, this is why people think I'm from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, I can go to Nashville right now without a dime in my pocket and I won't have to worry about a place to eat a place to lay my head, a place to party, or any place I want to go, I'm good to mm. this day. You know, because, like, that community embraced me. They loved all of my quirks. They loved my bits. 
They like the fact that I didn't give a damn what came out of my mouth. Yep. They ain't seen nothing. It was like, yo, this dude does not care. And I wasn't trying to be a shock jock. I was just trying to be me. Right. You know, and that's what was like, yeah, let me have another. So um, that was, that was whew, such so, a good time. So anyway, when I, look, I'm doing all this Playboy stuff. I'm going to need to have me some girls. <laughs> and I figured... Like the, the the quickest way to do that, right? Um, and I don't mean have me some girls on some I'm trying to smash. I right. mean, you know, ha, ha, listen, nothing sells tickets, nothing sells parties better than a beautiful woman. Correct. Look, I'm taking submissions. I need some angels. Daddy needs some angels. Taz's angels is coming through. I'm gonna need y'all to sign up. So I would get these emails, right? And some of them uh, just wouldn't. Some of them. <laughs> You just couldn't see the light of day. It just, woo! <laughs> Keep in mind, there weren't camera phones weren't invented. So I'm yeah. getting some big email files, picture beat all the Around what of year? So this was 2003. Okay. Okay. 2003. Okay. So I, I hit I hit Nashville February 13th, 2003. Okay. So this was summer 2003. So I'm like, oh, we getting it in. <laughs> So at this point, I, I done did the parties, I done bought the celebrities, and everybody know I'm I'm cuckoo, I'm crazy, right? Right. And so I get this email, and I'm like, wow, she's so cute. She just had this caramel complexion, and she was tiny, but she had this this whole crazy. And her name was Marquita. I don't know what happened to the broad. That was oh wait, Aww. <laughs> it's me. It's me. Yeah. I didn't go by like, Hollywood back in the day. Mm-mm. At that time, I was just going by Marquita, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, but everything like for me started in in Nashville. We started the core DJs mm. at that point. So me, Tony Neal, Crystal Bublin, um, trying to think, it was me, Tony Neal, Crystal Bublin, Big Ticker, and two other people. Was Everybody Wild, else- Wild Teddy T? Was he a part of that? Because I know he uh, he was on here. Some time ago, and he had mentioned that he helped with the uh, blueprint of the core DJs. Yep. Yes, okay. indeed. Okay. So, like, it was crazy because the dude, the dude who built the original core DJs website for Tony Neal was in Nashville. What? Everything yeah, is God. coming full circle for me, and I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. Um, so, like, it was it was a it was a crazy type DM, of situation. Big, the big DM is his name. Big, big DM was still the technician. Okay. He joined an old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Technician. Okay. That's my man. That's yeah. the homie. Like it was cool. And, and funny story about the big DM. Like I was a DJ. I could press records and I can I could I could play some sound effects and whatnot. Right. But I couldn't mix. So there was a club called the Outer Limits where the big DM was <laughs> so picture for y'all, right? <laughs> that was my shit. I walk into the Outer Limits. Now, this is the first club I ever went to in Nashville. So I go to the Outer Limits, right? And you ever, you know how they say, oh, it's a movie? No, this really looked like a movie. Right? And the first song I hear when I step into the club, as if it was planned, was Like a Pimp by David Banner and Lil' Flip. So I hear this song like, bam, 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 Up in there, mm-hmm. right? And uh, 
don't remember who the girl was. I just know she was fine. <laughs> and they going around. He was like, you got it? And I'm like, I got what? Now, there's 300 people in this club. I learned to mix on the spot at the Outer Limits. I knew the basics. I knew the fader, the set, the But I was, I mixed in that club like my life depended on <laughs> it. did. It definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> Listen, you you would be partying with politicians and drug dealers, and everybody was strapped. <laughs> That's not this flow. All I do. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh my god, oh. that is amazing. You bringing back so many good memories because Nashville was definitely a slept on market when it came to hip hop. Because even though it was like country or known for its countryness we still had our, you know, our parts. And that was like, even in like Memphis, a lot of people came yeah. from Memphis. A lot of people, you know, it, but yeah. Nashville, it was something different. I, man, yeah. first man. Person, I was the first person outside of Memphis, outside of Memphis to play your God. Really? Cause he used to listen. I'm going to tell my can't trust no bitch. That's way before that down in the DM shit. So. Right. Facts. <laughs> Nobody knew who Yo Gotti was when, uh, and then Quanti Cash is another Nashville. When Quanti Cash gave me an intro, everybody was like, yo, play that fast intro. Because everything Quanti Cash made was a hit. A hit. Oh. A Quanti hit. Cash, not like multi-diamond 30 times over. I will never know. That dude was a rap genius. Yes. I agree. I agree. Definitely, because I'm like, man, people, people sleep or have slept on those type of artists. Yo Gotti made it because he was he's been doing it for a long time, and I think Quanti Cash he's still doing things as well. But yeah, that whole era it was way different than what it is now. And so, speaking of that, like how how is that trans? How was your transition from radio to? Uh, becoming the business bully because I know you were like, I don't, I no longer want to do Taz Daddy. I no longer want to do. At one point, you just wanted to just literally just quit everything. So when did yep. that transition happen for you? Wow. So left Nashville, um, went to Austin. Okay. Um, ran CBS Austin. Left Austin with the K one hundred four in Dallas. Got into it with the PD and came with a foot down. <laughs> Went across the street, put Ricky Smiley in syndication, and which K104 is that? Mm. Um, when that happens, a lot of times when a property becomes hot, mm-hmm. what they try to do is disrupt the very thing that made it happen. Mm. So the foundation was me and Ricky, you know, me, Ricky, head crack. And at that point, they just started, you know, nitpicking and it, it was a mess mm-hmm. so you know we did a couple of things like I um I, Ricky wanted to do a sitcom I was like dog there's no money in sitcoms let's do a reality show mm-hmm. and so Rick Anderson who was also Monique's agent found me a crew and we did a reality show so the reality show we did is the basis for what you now know as Ricky Smiley for real uh-huh. and for those who don't believe me go to my YouTube page and look at the very first video that's up and you will see um that blueprint it's there right now um, so at that point, I realized that my talents went beyond just, you know, booking guests and being funny and creating bits. Like, I'm 
creating infrastructure and systems and realizing what people's strengths and weaknesses are. And I was always giving people business advice, but then when people started making money, I was like, all right, cool. So me and Ricky had a very, very nasty falling out. Mm. Now, horrible. Like if I saw him on the street, like, it, it, yeah. On site. On site. Off rip to this day. Um, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm 43 mm-hmm. and I don't need that at right. this point because he don't want it anyway. But the thing, of it is, <laughs> the, the thing of it is, you know, dude let the wrong people get in his ear mm-hmm. when they were telling me, yo, man, if you don't get your man together, you're going to come back here for the Obama inauguration and it's going to be D.L. Hughley in these nuts or Rudy Rush in these nuts. And I was like, bullshit. Then I called Rudy Rush. He was like, yeah, they called me and said, how, how do you get along with Ebony, who was a co-host at the time? Mm-hmm. So they were looking to replace him. So I'm trying to save him for himself. But anyway, anyhow, I get I get to Philadelphia. I become the first director of social media for a Fortune 500 company, Black or White. So you came right. full circle, te- technically. Like, you moved back to Philadelphia. You ended up, okay. I came, and I came back to Power 99. <gasps> so... Quincy's in LA. I got my own and I'm doing the social media thing. Now they have social media managers. They've never had a director of social media. Right. Right. So I'm in there. I'm hammering it out. Um, you know, Miss Jones is doing mornings and like, I'm giving folks advice, doing my thing, interviewing folks, you know, and I'm like constantly rocking with a flip cam. And at that point, when I, I had put out a book called Common Sense Ain't Common, right? You can still get it. It's available everywhere. What happened was I was doing a, um, I was doing a book signing mm-hmm. at a place called Human Books in Harlem. It's a famous bookstore. Like any black author that was worth their salt, if you didn't get a signing at Human, you ain't shit. Mm. That week, it was literally like Michael Bazin, Bill Cosby, and then my black ass. <laughs> Right? And right. so, of course, I Saturday. So I'm like, all right, cool. We'll do Saturday. And it was like, well, no, we have a car. We have a car. Uh, we have a car appearance for you. I'm not trying to stand out in some car lot with some two day old pizza and some CDs. I'm about to go sign some books. What kind of just got finished signing some books? What's wrong with you? Hey, that's right. Family, uh, going to shut it down in Harlem. You know, so I was like, yeah, we're not doing this shit. And I was like, I had it in my contract. I can turn down any appearance that I don't want. Mm. that's important I'm Iron Man like if you watch Iron Man throughout the years anytime you had a problem the next suit fixed it right right so anytime you had a problem I fixed it in the next contract mm. that's, that's so that's the thing and then they didn't like that then they said well if you do this if you get us this many followers on all the platforms we'll double your salary in a year year came up I went to the GM who made that promise mm-hmm and then he goes to me like, this kid's out of his mind. And it was like, why well, over your head? I said, I didn't go over your head. He was the one who made me to promise you. Do you write checks? They're like, no. I said, so I didn't go over your head. This is what this man promised me. Right. I just want what I was promised. So all of a sudden, I'm in good, got the rats out of Hamlin. I made this, I made the station social presence hotter because at the time, I had more followers on social media than a 50,000-watt radio station. Mm. Without the radio station, because I was doing blog talk. I came home. My grandmother was sick. I was doing blog talk. I didn't give a damn about radio. I was trying to spend time with my grandmother. Right. And so they they reached out to me. I did the deal. And I was like, I want my raise. They didn't want to give it to me. Then it was, oh, he's a troublemaker. He's this, he's that. 
And I was like, all right, cool. So you know what? At that point, um, I, I get to the office one day. Mm-hmm. And um, they had let go um, of the midday girl, right? So I get a call from Charlamagne. He was like, bro, if they don't give you that midday gig, they hate me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> what I'm saying, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. And I hang up the phone. Right after I hang up the phone, my phone rang. I thought it was Charlamagne again. No, it was. It, it was uh, it was my. I had two bosses. I had a black boss and a white boss, and neither of them liked each other. So I was there, like I was there <laughs> the middleman. <laughs> he works for digital. No, he works for the station. He works for digital. It's, I don't care. Right? So they they bring me in there, and they're like, "Yeah, um, we're going in a new direction." I'm like, "What direction you want to go to, other than number one, where I put you?" Right. Oh well, we're, we're just doing something different. I'm like, okay, so was it something I said or something I did? Nothing. Was it my performance? No. Did I rub somebody the wrong way? Absolutely not. We're just going in a different direction. I said, cool. They wrote me a five-figure check. Mm. I went to my office. I got my laptop and the things I needed and everything else they boxed up. Mm-hmm. And then I went across the street because my grandmother at this point is across the street of the apartments, uh, you know, across the street. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm, uh, I called Charlotte back. I was like, yeah, they fired me. I'm done. I'm retired. Never mm-hmm. coming back. Never coming back. And from that day to this, I've had 27 radio job offers, haven't taken one. Oh, my goodness. So you're going to stick to your word. It's never happening ever again in life. Terrestrial radio? Absolutely not. Mm. Never. For what? What they going <laughs> Where did they get the budget? Well, <laughs> on top of that, what are they going to tell me? Right. They left me for dead. Yeah. I wouldn't go back either. Why, why would I go back to that? A bunch of people talking about, yeah, 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 it's your boy, it's your boy, it's your boy. Follow me on Twitter. Hit me on the gram. Yeah, yeah, it's your boy, it's your boy, boy. For what? Folks is scrambling, <laughs> trying to figure out how I'm doing the stuff I'm doing. Listen, mm-hmm. Bill Cosby's been out for well over a month. I'm the only person that's talked to him and got an interview. Mm. No radio. No radio. Speaking of no radio, you have a podcast. I do. And it's called? The Business Bully Podcast. Everything is the business bully. Every that's really great. People don't people don't do that either. Put it across the board. You're supposed to have your name like that across the board. But anyways, so, they got Mick Rib. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got Bully AI. <laughs> I got Business Bully Publishing. <laughs> Everything I can put my name on, I put my name. <laughs> Except for businesses that I I I, I acquire or, or jump into. Okay. And um, speaking of businesses that you acquire, you have, you're an author. You have about seven books from what I see or what I've 20. researched. Oh, 20, 20. Oh, look 20. at me. <laughs> okay. Um, 20 books. <laughs> and then you also have um, Business Bully TV. And you can find that on um, Fire TV, Apple TV, Roku, Android, iPhone. You have so much stuff. And you're a motivational speaker on top of that. So when do, what do you when do you have time to to do all of this, or does it all come you know hand work hand in hand? So here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm an iPhone guy. 
Me too. Explain why. When I write a note on my iPhone, I can pull it up on this MacBook. Yes. When I write a note on, on my on my uh, iPhone, it goes to my iPad, right? Um, anything that I update is already there. It's called an integrated product suite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I want my podcast on TV. Okay, so then I bought Business Bully TV, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, um, Apple TV, uh, Roku, iOS, Android, and streaming live 24-7 at businessbully.tv. The reason I did that is because they can't shut me down. That's why you see all these gurus and all these influencers crying the blues every day. And day. Oh, Lord, they done shut down my, they done shut down my platform. They done shadow banned me. They got me in the shadows. I don't know what I was going to do with these shadows. So if you own your shit, Mm. You can talk your shit. Right? Now. Say that one more time for the people in the back. They ain't hear you. You said what? I said if you own, own your shit, you can talk your shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> I absolutely love that. <laughs> um, the, the other thing of it is, I like, my dad said, if you like, if you're going to eat, you know, buy a restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you're going to drive by a gas station, mm. like I wanted things that were going to make sense. The Winston box makes sense. It's for big and tall men. It's a subscription box. I don't have to worry about clothes. Right. Then, you know, um, to be able to have my own production and do what I want to do the way that I want to do it. Like, how are you going to cancel me? Right. right. What are you going to do? Me to me? Knock your stuff out. Then I'll just focus on men. Mm. You can't stop somebody who doesn't need you to live. I got thousands of people on my email list. I got thousands of people on my text marketing list. And at the end of the day, there is somebody who wants to know what it's like to fully be autonomous, to call your own shots, not fake it, but call your own shots. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have broke days. Right. Here's how, and I need to, I need to get this out here. Here's how you can be in millions and still be broke. Make a bad deal. Your liquid assets are different from your holdings. That's what people don't understand. They just think you're Scrooge McDuck and there's big fucking money bin somewhere. That's not how it works, you know. So there are ups and there are down days. It's like Andre Three Thousand said: if you don't move your feet, then we don't eat. So we like neck and neck, mm. you know. So like people get caught up in. I want to get this money. I want to do this, that, and third. But are you ready to handle all the things that come with it? Right? Right. Are you really ready to pay the cost to be the boss and not just say it? Some of y'all talking about you a CEO and ain't got a board of directors. I don't understand. Mm. Uh-oh. So. Uh-oh. <clears throat> with that being said, you got to go and um, invest in the business bully. He has so many seminars. He speaks about this all the time. So listen, I suggest you guys, those that are willing to take the risk and willing to, you know, do what it has to do to get it done. Cause obviously you heard it here first. Like he did any and everything that he wanted to do and he's still doing it. So just, just be mindful that you're speaking. We're speaking with a gentleman that's that's lived it, done done it, breathed it, anything that you can <laughs> adjective that describes it, he has done it, and I really appreciate that for. I mean, uh, 
No, but the ass looking too. Oh. Like, I ate the shit. <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna lie. I, I ate the shit. You know what I'm saying? I slept in my truck. I washed my nuts in the gas station sink. I remember, like, uh, get this as long as I live. I, I hate telling this story because it makes me want to cry. Oh, no. I remember I was so broke one time, so it's me. Uh, we didn't have our youngest child. me and my wife and, um, and my oldest, mm-hmm. my oldest kid. And I was so broke one time that we literally ate fried sunflower seeds. So, like, are you willing to, to, like, have more month at the end of the money? Are you willing to give up cable with all the channels on it? Are you willing to, to, to drive a car from a buy here, pay here, where they'll cut you off of $25? Because I did all of that shit. And that's the stuff I'm willing to share with you that I've come to terms with. I'm still talking to my therapist about the crazy stuff I did. Because you see the bigger picture. You know that it's It's, a bigger picture. It's a much bigger picture. And I'm not not here telling you it's easy because it's not. not. I'm telling you it's doable. That's it. It's a lot easier than picking cotton. I will say that. (laughs) With the serious face. <laughs> Damn. Mm. But let's get um let's get to our top five because I know you're gonna have some some good things to answer for me. Uh forty five after actually it's fifty seven after, but it's okay because it's my show and I can do what I would like to do. <laughs> so um it's called Top Five, Five Questions with Five Answers, and it's catered to my guests. Uh, the first one is top five motivational speaking engagements. Wow. Um, top five in no particular order. Um, touring with Les Brown. Okay. Um, one, two, three, and four. (laughs) Yeah, like. Because when I was a kid, my mom sat me in front of PBS and I saw this black man holding court with a bunch of white, one, one black person in the audience. The only black person was in there was the raisin and buttermilk on the stage, and that was Les Brown. Without being a Les Brown, there's no Dave Anderson speaking motivationally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the top moment for me the top moment for me was I woke up one day and I had a dream. And I woke up and I, I woke my wife up. I was like, Janae, I said, yo, um, I want to do fully con. And she was like, yeah, you're going to do that shit. I was like, bet. So I said, I'm going to do a bullet con. I pull it together, whatnot, to have like all the stuff I wanted to do. And when it was time to hit the stage and then, you know, the city gave me, um, you know, um, the whole, you know, the whole Dave Anderson day thing, which Ape shit crazy. Right. You know, like this this city where I had to go and, you know, <laughs> hand out flyers. The kid who had to hand out flyers and get beat up on these streets and do all this, you know, I'm getting this, you know, getting this proclamation from the city that I love more than anything, mm-hmm. you know, and then just to watch those people just stand up and they weren't cheering for me because of what radio station I was on. They weren't cheering for me because of what celebrity I interviewed or they weren't cheering for me for, you know, 
all the superficial reasons people cheer, they were cheering because they understood that it was a culmination of a dream. Mm. Everybody I cared about, with the exception of my wife, was in that room, including my, my only daughter at the time. She was on her way to Howard. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, like, there's pictures of it. I never post them because they are so butt ugly. Because <laughs> I get red because I'm, like, holding back tears because Aww. my stage, it was my stage. And it was my, it was my shots, mm-hmm. you know, and while everything shouldn't be about you, when you put in the type of work that I put in and to see other people recognizing the work, mm-hmm. not you the person, but your work, forget me. I tell people all the time, the difference between me and you is like, you trying to be a guru. You trying to go ahead and, and, and hop on the PJ with your friends. I'm trying to go out like Wayne Dyer. When Wayne Dyer died, he still has books coming out. When you look at Andrew Carnegie, they still got books coming out. Mm. Like, when I die, I'm going to be putting out so many books, y'all going to think I'm with Tupac in Cuba. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, I got you ain't never seen yet sitting just to make sure that my family is straight. Mm. Right? Yeah. My intellectual property is in a trust. Like, all of that type of stuff so that they can be straight, so that they don't have to worry about the dumb stuff. But, yeah, BullyCon was my was, was my top five. Like, so, let's found um, four, five, four, three, and two. Number one was BullyCon. Mm-hmm. Stand on that stage and sit and do that. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, top five podcast moments. Wow. Top five. Um, ooh. Damn. Don't <laughs> doing. <laughs> <laughs> I would think about something like, whoa. Um top podcast moment. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> what? Oh. I got the same one. But here's the thing. I um number five was Fonsworth Bentley. Ooh. Bonsworth Bentley always talked about how he had all of these um all these experiences. The man worked directly under Ralph Lauren. Like people forget y'all y'all see umbrellas and dance and no, this man is dope. Right? Right. And um Bonsworth Bentley stopped me from jumping off the roof of my apartment. <gasps> True story. That's how I know there's a God, because God told him to call me. Because I was homeless. I had lost everything after that Ricky shit. Yeah, I was going to jump. There was going to be a splat in Arlington, Texas that day. A big-ass splat. And I feel sorry for the person who was like to clean it up. Oh. But thank, thank you to Fonzor Bentley for that. Um, number four, I would say, would probably be... Um, like, And I don't do like, oh, big guest type of stuff. Right. Um, Kiana Smalls, who... Um, is famous for being the relationship consultant on that show. What Chili wants is Chili had that list and couldn't find a man. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't keep a man. Have a stupid list. But you know, Tiana is from East New York, so like every every city got a North Philly, and and Brooklyn to me is um, New York's North Philly. Like you know, you got those people who get it out the mud. She got it out the mud for real. She taught herself how to publish her books, what to do on TV. She learned it as she went. Like. That's my sis. Like, I love what, you know, what she does. So, like, to be able to 
have that type of moment with her was dope. Um, number three, I interviewed my mom. Oh, which was dope because talking to my mom like a person and finding out that she, you know, she worked on a TV assembly line and drove buses in order to put herself through school, things of that nature. Like it's a different right. type of thing. Interview. Um, number two is Gary V. The reason that I like my Gary V interview so much was because so many black people have a thing about white adjacency because they can't understand that a black person can do something without being compared to a white person. I've never been anybody's um, black derivative. Mm -hmm. So the, the term for me, black Gary V was a very offensive one. Mm. You know, and then somebody's like, yeah, well, maybe Gary V is the white Dave Anderson. Did y'all ever think about that? <laughs> and like, me and Gary are very good friends. That's my dude. And like, it was just a great interview. Like I came up to his office. We shot it. Like his people were phenomenal. Um, really, really good dude. And he gave me a $15,000 check for black boys win. Mm. And the number one podcast moment has not happened yet. Well, it happened, but it hasn't aired yet. And that's me sitting down with Bill Cosby. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's that. Oh, Ooh. I, ooh, I can't wait. Y'all ain't ready. <laughs> you know, if y'all expecting a three hour interview, this man 84, calm down. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a concentrated interview, but it's a good one. So I, I, I talked to him and I also talked to uh, Andrew White, his spokesperson, you know. Um, and like Bill Cosby's innocent. I don't care what y'all say. Mm. Completely innocent. I just want somebody to tell me where in America can a black man get away with raping one white woman, let alone 60. Right. Because Tupac can't get away with it. Right. Much more, much more young than Bill Cosby, much more younger. Um, Mike Tyson couldn't get away with it. Yep. Tupac didn't even fuck the girl. It was chill. He was in the room or in the hotel, and then there was another part of the But Like, the this is a man. Yeah, government is fucked up. So, like, yeah, come on, man. Mm. Let me put up 100 million on you and be like, whoever got pictures of Marquita's ass, come forward and see how much of the stuff you can get. And right. a lot of we got pictures of your ass. It might not even be your ass, it might be somebody else's. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So this is the last, uh, the last one. Top five advice uh to give to new business owners stop listening to people who don't make the type of money you want to make uh. um stop thinking that you have to do everything yourself mm. right stop comparing yourself to other people your journey is your own start being consistent to the point where it's ridiculous I would rather people be sick of you than not know who the hell you are, right? And the most important piece of advice I can give you was taking me so far, I've invested well over $300,000 in coaching. Get a coach. Doesn't got to be me. Get somebody who is where you want to be. Listening to your mama and them, <laughs> no, this no, right? Your homeboys don't know. Fact. Like your homeboys think fifty thousand dollars a big a year is a big deal until you run up on somebody who made fifty thousand dollars in a month mm -hmm. or a day. 
that's my top five. See, I put mm, that book. Like, yes, I'm, I'm. I gotta take all this. I'm taking all this in because <laughs> I am one of the ones that you're speaking of. Because I definitely, yeah, we'll talk. That's a whole nother subject. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for exclusive access exclusive access is where you've never told anybody any of this information and this is the first time you heard it here first so do you mr taz daddy yes, can sir. i can i call you that you can always call me that. <laughs> do you have exclusive access <laughs> to anything I, I, I have some information i'm not i haven't shared with anybody yet. <sighs> September 1st, I am no longer coaching the public. <gasps> I'm retired. I got two for you. That's the first one. I'm retiring September 1st. Why, why do you look like that? What? What are you going to be? Uh, so what's your next transition? Ah. Uh, <laughs> See? <laughs> what's your next? So here's what that means. Right yes. now, let me let me put this in perspective because stop with the stats. Don't do the crying faces. <laughs> you pay me thirty thousand, fifty thousand dollars. We'll happily take it. Um, oh, I'm retiring. Private private coaching is fifty thousand. Um, group coaching is thirty. Close your mouth. Um, here's the thing. I'm in love. I got a little girl. She's six. And I, I have some medical issues mm-hmm. that, thank God, I'm good. Like, I'm wonderful. I'm getting in the best shape of my life. Um, but it put things in perspective for me. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is a lot of times when it comes to coaching the public, people just want to pay me five figures to argue with me. Mm. I don't have time. Right? Not when I can go out here and I can coach celebrities and do that. Um, or people who are serious. So, like, you're going to have to apply. Mm, okay. No more, hey, I want to start a business. Okay, well, we'll see what you got. What are you looking at? Just no, you're going to have to apply. We won't vet you. We will go through all that. My coaching business will still be there. I will not be running it day to day. I will still do, like, weekly Q&As and stuff like that. But the days of me, you know, coaching folks, hours on over. Fine. Mm. I can sit around here. And don't get me wrong. I, I have the lightest work schedule of most people I know. Um, but there's something else, right? You asked me if I would never do radio again, and I'm not. But the second exclusive I have for you is I am going to be doing a morning show on a major network every single day. Um, and I can call my shop. I can do exactly what I want to do the way that I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be co-hosting with an amazing individual. And I can't say who it is or where it is yet, mm-hmm. but yeah, September 1st, I'm out. Cause I mean, I can make more money working two hours a day doing what I do for free. Right. And still have 22 to give to my family. Mm. And I can do it from anywhere. Mm. Lifestyle now. But it's a different type of situation where I'm doing the show and then I close my laptop and I'm in Bali. Mm. 
I've never, I've been always grinding. Kita, you know how hard I work. Yep. You've seen me since I was 26 years old. I'm 43. Yes. Yes. I feel like my family deserves me being me. I feel like, I feel like it's my time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to just enjoy myself. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah. what, what the bus driver said, because I'm struggling to hustle and the set is to forget like, Yep. you know, yep. I'm very blessed. I, I got a place downtown. I got a place in the Northeast. I'm good. Like, you know, yep. um, but sometimes because I got so many obligations, I can't just pick up and go. Right. You know, I just I just bought into a, a gym in Houston. You know, which I'm about to turn into the hottest thing for Black women in America. Mm. The, when I tell you this gym is the dopest, you gonna call it Jazz Angels. <laughs> No, uh, no, funny. not at all. <laughs> it's called the Queens Compound, so it's coming real soon. Um, very excited about that. Um, I got some books I'm working on. I, I just don't want to be sitting around coaching people who just don't want to do the work. Right, right. I want people who are serious about it. Right? right, I'm not taking anybody else on a payment plan. You either got my thirty or fifty, or or we ain't got nothing to talk about. Mm. I'm not doing it anymore. Because what happens is people start thinking because they're giving you $500 a month that they've done something. And they want you to do it all, but they're not fully invested or they don't trust anybody. And they've been burnt so many times before. Well, you've been fucked over so many times before, but you continue to get a boyfriend. Right. So I'm not here to negotiate with terrorists. I'm going to live my life on my terms for the rest of my life. If I want to get up this morning, if I want to get up tomorrow morning and fly my ass to Arizona to spend it with my 74 year old mother for a week or two, God damn it. I ought to be able to do that. Yep. Yep. That's it. So yeah, I'm, um, September 1st, I'm out. Y'all better get y'all weight up, get y'all payment plan, uh, out the way. Cause, uh, ain't no more payment plan. Cash, 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 cash. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I you need, need to put on your podcast cash 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 you need that button right there <laughs> but i appreciate that oh my god um but it is uh time to answer the question of the day <clears throat> but first i'm gonna let you give your shout outs uh tell them where to find you what you have coming up and anything that you want to let my fans and your fans know um First of all, if you're black, I love you automatically, right? And love doesn't mean that I tell you everything that you want to hear. That's not love. Because some people, like pimps will tell you what they, what they want to hear, what you want to hear until they get you on that stroll, right? right? Um, second of all, I ain't perfect. Yeah. No, and don't get me wrong, Carla Jones. I can work, I can work anywhere too, but I don't want to work. That's the gag. I just want to talk shit for two hours. And live my life. That's it. I don't want to be hammering nothing out other than a book. And I can do that um, on my own pace. Um, Secondly, I want to say, please make sure that you're following me here on Instagram. Click the link in my bio. The Business Bully Merch is official. Y'all can go and get it right now. Um, Links in my bio. Or you can go to thebullyverse.com. Like the universe, just thebullyverse.com. Aside from that, 
you know, watch out for this Bill Cosby interview. Because that's coming tomorrow. It wasn't going to be Sunday. It's tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. I'm going to be tuned in. And so, so, go ahead. Y'all make sure y'all download Business Bully TV wherever you stream. Mm, You heard it here first, baby. And (laughs) you're not doing what? I'm not putting that on IG. You got to come to my platform for that. But last but not least, question of the day. What bothers you about the industry and what would be your solution to fixing it? Quick, here's what bothers me about the uh, about the industry. The industry is stuck in tradition. The industry does not want to move forward. The industry is owned by people who do not look like us, and we continue to buy into that because we want to be put on and we want to get a quick bag. You got people living from paycheck to paycheck, or in, in the case of a lot of these folks, advance to advance. That's a problem. My mama used to say, once I owe you, then you own me. I am unbought and unbought. Now, when we talk about fixing it, like we got to get all these old fucks out of here. They just gotta go. I'm not. I'm not going Shakespearean and saying kill all the lawyers, but I, I think all these old program directors need to go. I think all these traditionalists need to go. If you were in your position in the, when you were in the Clinton or Bush administration, get the fuck out. That's problem number one. Problem number two, right? Is we gotta start. We gotta start defunding the industry. Here's what I mean. We continue to feed this fucked up machine and they continue to give us rudimentary pace and tell us that it's everything the body needs like we're fucking RoboCop. No, 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 no. We are the talent. We are the consumers. The problem is we are not the owners. So I'm advocating ownership. I'm advocating independence more than anything. And on top of that, the other way to change something is to go around and buy it. So one day I'm going to show up at a radio, I'm at a radio company. Not going to say which one, but if you know me, you you know which one I'm talking about. And I'm going to buy it. Mm. And when I do, I'm lining everybody up in every single market. Mm. And I'm firing people. There's another exclusive. Exclusive access. Two years on that. I'm not rushing that. Mm, You said I'm not rushing that. (laughs) I know that's right. (laughs) Because I'm not going to be there every day. I'm just coming in to fire everybody. Mm. Write the check. Put the people I know who need to be in place in place. And I'm going home. Mm. To love up on my family. Like Mm. That's what it is. You can't change nothing that you can't own. You can only ask them to change and they can tell you no because you don't own shit. The difference between me and everybody else is, yeah, I I, I sign checks all the time. The front of them. Mm. Mm. When you're the person that gives out the job, then you can call the shots. Yep. Facts. And that's what it is. But we keep acting like we need them. You got the internet. What you need them for? Turn down 27 gigs. Mm. 
And I'm sure it's going to be more that you turn down. Because it's about to be litty. <laughs> so now I get to tour. Now I get to do what I want to do. So I'm really excited about September. So, you know, if y'all want it, and y'all want this last, y'all want this last quote-unquote cohort, I suggest you get on board. FreeGameAlert.com. Link's in my bio. Mm. Well, you heard it. And don't forget to follow me, the podcast, So Hollywood, the podcast. Follow me. They already follow <laughs> you said what? They already follow you. They're about to get in your DMs and be disappointed because you're getting oh. back. <laughs> M-I-S-S Hollywood 313. Uh, the link is also in my bio. I have other things going on. So Hollywood, the creator, Hollywood Lights Photography, Session 420, book your session today, www.greenleafgang.com. And of course, last but not least, go like, share, subscribe my website, www.allofhollywood.com. Dot Biz, do you have any last words that you can leave them with? If not, we're going to go, go and holla. <laughs> Damn, I talked enough. Y'all good? Yeah. Y'all Thank good? You. Thank you. After seven, September 1st, we're going to redo um, an interview, and I want to see how your life has changed, that transition. I want to be a part of that transition. So Listen, please, I- please come back up here and tell me about your transition. You already know. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Uh, holla. Thank you. Is it me or was it high Is it me or was it high So Hollywood. To be a guest on So Hollywood the Podcast, just email So Hollywood the Podcast at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram, So Hollywood the Podcast and MISS Hollywood 313. Looking to book your next studio session? Contact Session 420 at www.greenleafgang.com.